It's been quite a week for the sailors aboard the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt. The sailors had just arrived in Guam amid a controversy that left the carrier's commanding officer and the acting secretary of the Navy without their jobs. Then, nearly all of the sailors were tested for the virus, and nearly one in ten of them have it. Today is Friday, April 10th. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your Coronavirus Update, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Andrew Dyer, you cover the military for the Union-Tribune, and just like all aspects of our lives, the military is also being affected by COVID-19. The thing that's really been the focus has been what's been going on at the Theodore Roosevelt, and things have changed since we last spoke. Why don't you explain what's new? Well, um, the last time we spoke, the captain of the ship had just been fired by the acting secretary of the Navy, um, Thomas Modley. Modley uh, then flew out to the ship um, last weekend and jumped on the 1MC and gave like a 15-minute talk to the crew where he kind of, he insulted the captain, he he uh, he talked about the media, he, he kind of went on a few tangents, um, uh, then audio of that leaked out, of course, and um, the next day, uh, Modley resigned as acting Navy secretary. Um, now, on the ship, uh, the Navy continues to move crew off. They're committed to testing 100% of the crew um, as of today, they've tested 92%. Uh, now the results aren't in for all of those tests. But um, as of right now, about 450 sailors have tested positive for COVID-19. And that's just under 10% of the entire crew. Um, they've still got more than 700 tests outstanding, awaiting for results. And uh, a few hundred more sailors have yet to be tested um, as they test negative, the Navy is moving them to facilities on Guam. Uh, sailors are staying in homes. They're staying in hotels. And um, these places, they're in uh, quarantine and, and not permitted to leave. So they're not out uh, at the beach or anything like that. Yeah, I imagine this outbreak is really unprecedented for the sheer number of individuals that have to be quarantined, right? Because that's you know, a lot of people that need to man the ship. Right. So, you know, the, the Theodore Roosevelt has two nuclear reactors. They have to be manned 24 hours a day. Um, we don't know exactly how many sailors are going to remain on board. Um, the ship's former commanding officer, Captain Brett Crozier, he, he thought the ship could be manned at about 10% manning, um, and that 10% could stay behind and, and do the maintenance and watch the reactors and, and do all of the necessary cleaning and disinfecting. Uh, I think the, the Pentagon disagreed. Um, the, the last they commented, it sounds like they're, uh, they're wanting about double the amount of sailors to, to stay behind on the vessel. But um, I think the, the bigger concern is just, getting the crew either recovered enough to, to resume their deployment, um, which is going to take, you know, at least another, another, uh, 14 days, uh, likely more as, uh, as more results come in. Um, 
Now, they did have their first sailor yesterday uh, admitted to the ICU at Naval Hospital Guam. Uh, sailor was reportedly found uh, unresponsive in, in his room. So uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, they did not update the sailor status today. But, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's worth noting that even though at the beginning of the pandemic, there was news about how younger people weren't as badly hurt by the virus, as we've seen by statistics both nationally and in San Diego, there are plenty of people in their 20s, 30s, getting this disease. So it isn't surprising that at least one sailor so far has needed that level of medical care. Right. And you you hear this from Pentagon leaders as well. They've been uh, doing media briefings daily uh, during the pandemic and uh, their tone has kind of shifted as we learn more about the virus and as they learn more. Um, Initially, they're very confident because the military is mostly young and, and healthy people um, and who are, you know, physically fit. But uh, even even now that is starting to shift a little bit where they are acknowledging that, you know, because this virus uh, transmits so easily, uh, even from people who are not showing symptoms that they've kind of got a bigger problem on their hands than they initially realized. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's kind of the hardest to wrap your brain around is that when it comes to regular flus and colds that people get, our bodies have fought off similar illnesses. So it kind of knows what to do when it comes to recovering and not being that sick with, you know, something that's mildly annoying. But when it comes to this novel coronavirus, it's so different that the body has to start from zero. And that's kind of why it's so intense for so many people. Exactly. And even even people who who are young and healthy, we're seeing that um, be the case. Mm hmm. So throughout this, the Navy hasn't exactly been open with um, kind of statistics and kind of explaining how bad things are at. Um, Are there any questions that you're hoping to get answers when it comes to specifically the Roosevelt and the outbreak that you're kind of waiting on or don't expect to get? One thing that we don't know is, so two weeks before the Roosevelt had its first positive case, it made a port call in Vietnam, in Da Nang, and, and... uh, Navy leaders, they, they felt confident that because the known cases in Vietnam at the time were hundreds of miles away in the north of the country, that uh, this was a, a safe uh, port call for its sailors. Um, now, the Navy's been criticized for allowing this port visit to, to go on. Um, so it, it's interesting to see... Uh, Eventually, we'll find out where Captain Crozier stood. Um, we, we know that the port call was uh, authorized by the commander of the Indo-Pacific Command, um, but it, it remains to be seen like where the, uh, the go-ahead for the port call was and whether or not the ship's captain uh, maybe had advised against it. So the federal government's response to coronavirus has been slow by anyone's measure. Have you been seeing the same kind of thought within the military or have they been a little bit more proactive in trying to stopping any possible spread? Uh, I think as slow as, as the government was to respond, um, the Pentagon's been even slower. Um, I, I think 
now, um, as of today, April 10th, um, I think the Pentagon is mostly on the right track, but um, it took weeks of questions for them to get here. Um, now, they're not perfectly uh, within where CDC would like them. I think, uh, you know, the Marines are still um, mandating haircuts, you know, so uh, at Camp Pendleton, you know, the barbershop is still open, but, you know, they're wearing masks and, and, and doing, uh, having people line up outside six feet apart. But, um, you know, even that you're still requiring close contact. Um, you're also seeing, uh, Marine recruits reporting to boot camp, traveling from other places in the country. Now, uh, on the East coast, they have suspended Marine Corps boot camp at Paris Island, but at uh, Marine Corps Depot, San Diego training continues. And, um, now they are, isolating new arrivals um, before they get into the training pipeline for a couple weeks. But um, even so, you're still having uh, folks travel to start their, their Marine Corps training. So, yeah, and there, and there was a, a photo posted on social media today of recruits at Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego marching in formation with their uh, face masks on. The Marines have they have these skivvy shirts. It's like a t-shirt you wear under your uniform. They've got a, a pattern where they're cutting them and making face masks. So, um, you can see kind of the drill sergeant and the, uh, the recruit, uh, company marching with their, their, their face masks on. So, you know, they are making changes, but, but they're a, a little slow in, in coming. Yeah. And I, you know, I, kind of makes sense with when you consider the military and what it expects its members to do, you know, the kind of social distancing that civilians are being asked to do doesn't really make as much sense for the military, lest it, you know, not be able to respond to conflict. Right. And so that's, this is a point of contention, um, in the Pentagon, uh, just today, um, during a news conference, you know, the leaders were, were challenged on, the, the DOD's decision not to name uh, the number of positive cases uh, per installation. So we don't know how many sailors at Naval Base San Diego or Marine Corps Air Station Miramar are positive for COVID-19. Um, and, and, you know, Pentagon leaders say that this is because of security concerns. They don't want to let our enemies know that uh, where we may be weak um, I, I don't know if, if the number of positive cases at a certain base is really a significant concern, but regardless, they are not uh, n- announcing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see different levels of transparency in different organizations at all levels of government. And that's one thing that's also frightening about this pandemic is that the full picture remains obscured by lack of testing, lack of resources, and lack of transparency. So no matter what, we're in the dark. Right, and and that was uh, an interesting thing that also came up today during the, the press briefing was that uh, because this virus is, um, it spreads when people are asymptomatic, um, but also testing, um, there are a lot of false negative tests that we're, we're hearing about. So even if you deploy mass testing, um, it's going to miss a lot of people who, who have the virus. So um, there are, I think the challenges in confronting it and, and mitigating it um, are, you know, uh, 
are present on several fronts. So additionally, the Navy is also helping out with the response to COVID-19. There are two hospital ships, the U.S. Comfort, which is in New York, and the U.S. Mercy, which is in the port of Los Angeles. But there's been problems with both of those ships. Uh, Why don't you explain what's going on with the Mercy? Well, the Mercy uh, is in Los Angeles. The Mercy, unlike the Comfort, is is not uh, bringing on patients uh, with COVID-19. In fact, patients coming on to Mercy have to test negative for, for COVID-19 before they are admitted onto the ship. Uh, the crew and the medical staff of the Mercy are not leaving the vessel. They are in what the, the Navy is calling like a bubble. So the only people going on or off the ship are the patients. Um, mm-hmm. That is not the case with the comfort in New York City. In New York, they are seeing COVID-19 patients. Um, the crew is uh, staying in an undisclosed hotel during their off hours. So um, we're really talking about two different uh, standards here on the East and West Coast. Um, but yeah, the you know the Navy um, medical community is facing the same kind of challenges that we're seeing on the the civilian side. Um, uh, story in the UT today. Um, I, I wrote about uh, naval. Uh, Medical Center San Diego, which is commonly called Balboa, um, you know, they are checking staff um, on their way out the building, uh, doing random bag checks because of theft of medical masks and sanitizer. Um, A supply locker was broken into and raided um, a, a few weeks ago. And so they've been doing this because there are concerns and there are shortages of of these this protective equipment. And uh, even up on the Mercy on the ship, um, a, a sailor working there uh, sent me photos of, of the N95 masks being stored in, in plastic bags because they've been told, according to the sailor, they've been told to reuse the masks until uh, it becomes difficult to breathe to kind of conserve the uh, the equipment. Now, the Navy, it's important to say, the Navy says there is no shortage of, of protective equipment and that they have adequate supplies, but um, certainly by, by these measures, we can see that they are being careful with their, to, you know, protect their inventory. It is worth highlighting that because the military is probably the only one aspect in American life that is kind of guaranteed to get whatever it wants or needs, and if it doesn't have PPE, that kind of shows how deep these shortages truly are. Right. And, and even, even I think it's important to note that even uh, medical staff using PPE, um, we're seeing, uh, you know, it maybe it slows the spread of the virus, but it, it's not 100%. And I think a lot of medical providers working on the front lines are um, anticipating uh, exposure right now. So it, it, it's very challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides for that one positive case on the Mercy, are things kind of going according to plan in the Port of LA? As far as as uh, as I know, um, they've seen uh, I think right around three dozen patients, maybe a, a few less. Um, they did have a sailor on the medical on the medical team test positive uh, a couple days ago. Um, now the Navy says that sailor never came into contact with any patients, um, but they've been isolated off the ship. In addition, uh, 30 other sailors 
uh, were removed from the ship after a contact investigation because they'd been in close contact with the uh, with the first sailor. Um, they are in quarantine off the ship, uh, looking to return after after fourteen days if they don't present with any symptoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking more generally, as we kind of get deeper into stopping the spread of this virus. Uh, do you foresee the military being involved in any kind of forms of, I don't know, supply chain management, enforcement, using some of its capabilities to kind of help the nation itself? Because it seems like we kind of haven't crossed that Rubicon yet. Right. And and if they already are, um, if you look at the mission of the, the National Guard, that's part of uh, what's been their response is to um, shore up supply chains and help with some of the logistic parts of of responding to the uh, the pandemic. Um, and as as we progress in the coming days and weeks, uh, you know those supply chains will become more important, and and we will see I think more support from the from the military. The the numbers of National Guard mobilizations uh, increase almost by the day. All right, Andrew Dyer, thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Daniel. Now, your coronavirus update. San Diego County confirmed another 65 positive COVID-19 cases, bringing the current total to 1,693. Four additional people have died, bringing Friday's death toll to 44. With Easter Sunday coming up, health officials reiterated that such celebrations should be held within households or facilitated through technology. Law enforcement will take action if needed. A community fund created to support San Diegans suffering financially during the pandemic has swelled to more than $8 million, and eight new grants have been doled out. They will feed hungry residents and shelter the homeless. The San Diego COVID-19 Community Response Fund, managed by the San Diego Foundation, was created in March to help funnel emergency grants to organizations that bolster critical needs like food security, rent and utility payment, and other living expenses. San Diego libraries and local educators are teaming up to produce face masks using 3D printers. The idea was hatched by Denver Guess, a teacher at Francis Parker School in Linda Vista. He contacted Scripps Health through a former student to work out the particulars. Then he went looking for help. Fellow educators at the Bishop's School committed to the effort, as well as San Diego library employees. There are 12 3D printers at the San Diego Central Library that can make about 50 face shields a day and 300 a week. Each shield cost about $250, about half the market price. The city of San Diego has reversed course on a plan to furlough 800 workers. Those workers will now receive their full salaries, but will be reassigned tasks to help during the pandemic. The decision came after the Municipal Employees Association, the union that represents most of the workers, filed a grievance last Sunday. The furloughs would have helped the city close an estimated revenue shortfall, Mayor Kevin Faulkner estimated that the city will lose about $109 million from hotel tax revenue and sales tax. So far, more than 20 large groups have canceled meetings originally planned for the San Diego Convention Center in March, April, May, and June, a tsunami of lost business that is estimated to cost San Diego some $203 million in lost spending at hotels, restaurants, bars, and other businesses, not to mention a region-wide economic impact hit of $345 million. The San Diego Tourism Authority estimates that almost a quarter million hotel room nights have been lost so far. 
Comic-Con remains on for now, but that could change. Supervisor Diane Jacob, who represents much of the county's backcountry, reiterated the need for rural residents to follow orders to prevent the spread of the pandemic. There are regional services available in Campo, Alpine, and other backcountry communities. As of now, the pandemic has spread to rural America. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We want to remind you that information is your first line of defense. The San Diego Union Tribune is dedicated to bringing you the latest news in print, online, and on our podcasts. Right now, you can read our public health stories related to the virus online for free without hitting the paywall. But you can get all of our news at your fingertips, wherever and whenever you want if you're a subscriber. Don't miss a story. Go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.